We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you. Queer History Podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Will. And today we're going to be talking about Alan L. Hart. So that's exciting. Um, before we get into that though, we do actually have some news. Exciting. So we did the Queer uh, Makers Market. It was great. It, it went was really wonderful. Well. It went really, really well. If any of you saw us there, hi. I think a couple of you had uh, listened to the podcast before or read the articles before. So hi, if you're listening now. Great to see all of y'all. And it was just like great to sell books and just like also give a lot of books away at the end there. We have a lot less books in our apartment, which, which is, is wonderful. Fantastic. Thank you all so much for buying, for picking mm-hmm. up, for getting some queer books, for taking some queer history home. Exactly. Also, uh, another thing that happened in the in-between time is the presentation at McEwen. Yeah! So, um, for those who don't know, I gave a presentation at McEwen a bit earlier this month, I'd say. Yeah, earlier this month. Pretty early this month, actually. Um, early this month where I talked about disability and queerness and the shared history of those two things. And it was great. As someone who was there, it was great. Thank you. Will ended up having to help because my laptop was not set up to like do things properly. Anyways, in the end, it turned out really great. It was really, really lovely to talk to all y'all. If any of you are, who was at the presentation, I think more than a few of you listened to the podcast. So like, hi, it was great to see you. And if you are, you know, here from that presentation and you like met me there and now you're listening to the podcast. Also, hello, welcome. <laughs> it was really great to talk about a disability and queerness. And I was so, so grateful to just like have a discussion with all of y'all and to at the end, have a happy ending. Um, if you're a patron, you will know that we released this presentation for patrons on our Patreon. If you're not a patron, you may not know that, but we did. So if you're interested in reading that presentation, you need to be a patron to read it. Otherwise, if you want to hear that presentation given, you should check the booking part of our website. And our website is www.makingqueerhistory.com. Find us on all various social medias. We have a Tumblr, an Instagram, a Twitter, a Pinterest, a Facebook. We have all of them, except Reddit. And we're not going to get a Reddit. Don't, please don't ask me to get a Reddit. If you ask me, because I'll have to. Because, like, I'll feel like, oh, well, people want us on Reddit. And every once in a while, someone will post an article of ours on Reddit. And very grateful for that. Thank you so much. But um, at the same time, I also really don't want to deal with Reddit because I think they'll bully me. And I'm very gentle. I'm a very gentle soul. I barely deal with Twitter. I can barely handle Twitter. So, like, thinking of social medias I should be on realize in your heart I can barely handle Twitter just like think of that and be like okay this is the social media I suggest which is why I'm really enjoying Pinterest so you should follow us on Pinterest you definitely should Mm -hmm. but you can find us on all these social medias Uh, we have different handles on all of them 
Most of them. Most of them. Most of them are like under Making Queer History. Uh, you can generally find us under Making Queer History, even if that's not our handle, because like we'll have it somewhere in our description. But if you are like having trouble finding us on any social media, do check out our website again, www.makingqueerhistory.com, because we have all of our social medias linked there. So you can really just go through and just like be like follow, 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 which I very much suggest doing. Yeah, and we were talking about the presentation. If you want us to give a presentation where you are, maybe I don't know about disability and queerness or about a lot of other things because we have a lot of different presentations like about Canadian queer history specifically Edmontonian queer history I made a presentation for that and just like a couple other ones we have um, in our circulation and we can also make one individually for an event because I, I really do like making presentations it's a lot of fun for me and I like doing the research of it so if you're at all interested in that and you have a group where you're like I want this person to speak there definitely check out our booking thing uh we have a sliding scale because our patrons make it possible for us to get paid even when you know an organization doesn't have enough money to pay us fully for presenting that's what patrons are for it's really lovely so here's a shout out to all of our patrons yes thank you so much for all the support you give us and the possibilities that you make possible exactly the only reason we're able to give a lot of these presentations is because of the patrons and so. the only reason we're able to do all this work that we do mm -hmm. is because of you patrons exactly so yeah just like a thank you and also you're y'all are gonna be getting a big thank you i think at the end of november so you know if you're interested in what that thank you is you should definitely check it out because there are actually going to be some really big changes in making queer history and how we're structured. And the only people who are going to know them before they happen are actually going to be the patrons because, you know, we love y'all. And also we want your input in them. As much as we love everyone in our audience, our patrons' input is a little bit more easy to get than just putting a poll on every social media. Because polls on social media, like, anyone can enter them. And for patron, it's all people who are, like, a part of our audience. So yeah, we've actually had a couple different like surveys and stuff where someone's like, I didn't know you wrote articles or had a podcast or had a website. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, then why are you filling out the survey? <laughs> <laughs> like this is a survey related to this project. But anyways, no judgment either way. So our patrons are going to be getting a whole hunk of news pretty soon. So keep your eye out for that if you are a patron. If you're hearing this later and you're like, November's already passed. Why am I hearing about this? That's because you're probably not a patron. And patrons get this podcast a whole month earlier than the rest of y'all. Which is pretty cool. It's pretty darn neat. And as someone um, on our Tumblr said, which was so sweet, I almost cried. They're like, oh, what do you do when you run out of Making Queer History podcast episodes? You listen to them all again. And I'm like, oh, you can also become a patron. They don't need to become a patron because they said a nice thing to me. So they never need to give me money ever. Really, it's it's one of the two. You either say something nice to me <laughs> or you become a patron. I love you for the rest of my life. Um, Yeah, so... If you want, you know, to like get a little uh, extra episode because you're missing our lovely voices, our dulcet tones, our beautiful insights, you should become a patron because there'll be an entirely new podcast episode waiting there for you. And you can also get cool rewards and just fun little insights. Exactly. Like Laura keeps posting on our lens, which yeah. is a story, but for patron. Exactly. And you can just look at that. There's some really funny ones. I'm going to be honest with y'all. There's some really funny ones. One of the things that happened recently is that we found a book that, like, I was like, oh, there's this research book that I sort of want to check out. Let's, let's see 
how much it costs. It was $5,000. And like, I flipped on Patreon lens. I was like, what's happening? That's more than like, that's almost half a year's rent for us. I'm not going to spend half a year's rent on one book. And it's like not even that thick of a book. So like, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And I had this whole flip out on the lens. It was wild. So y'all really should have, you should have been there if you were there high. It was a wild adventure. Exactly. Also, I do know, I, I've been talking to a couple different patrons, and apparently y'all haven't been getting notifications when I message you. Most of you just reply anyways, but apparently a couple of you haven't been getting notifications when I message you, so if you're like, oh, I haven't heard from you and I'm a patron, check your inbox really quick for me, and make sure that I haven't accidentally, like, I haven't messaged you and Patreon just hasn't notified you, because like every social media, Patreon doesn't notify people when things happen. That seems right. I think the only uh, social media that like regularly notifies me when things that I want to know happen is probably Twitter, but it also notifies me when anything happens ever. Mm. Like whether I care or not, it's telling me something happened and I'm like, I don't even, what? (laughs) Why would I care? Um, I'm trying to think if we have anything else exciting to talk about before the podcast starts. Exciting news coming for patrons. Um, yeah, that's that's all I can think of because like so much of my news right now and like what I'm doing and working on on making history is based in those multiple announcements that are coming up because like there's a lot of them. Honestly, it's a pretty big deal. They're all secrets. They're all secrets, and I can't tell y'all how big of a deal they are. Outside of saying they're actually like a pretty big deal, and I've been I'm planning on working on them until the end of the year. So if y'all don't see me so much on social media for the next little while, assume that I'm doing that. I'm gonna be back on social media by the end of the year. And I'm still gonna be on social media like vaguely, but I'm gonna be like really intensely working on some stuff to sort of redirect the project a little bit into an area that I want it to be, because I'm excited for this new thing that's coming out. So it'll be good no matter what happens. Exactly. So get excited. Um, is there- I am personally hyped. I only know like three of the things. I never get to know these secrets. You don't. So I'm very hyped. Yeah. My favorite part about living with Will is that I get to keep secret all the things that I'm giving only for patrons. Because Will can't actually become a patron because it doesn't make sense. Because we have shared finances because we're married. And like we literally just lose money if Will became a patron. Mm -hmm. Because like they take a little cut of all the patron dollars. Yeah, because Will can't become a patron. Will doesn't get to know any of the things that are only for patrons. I don't. Will also doesn't get to like get any of the rewards that are only for patrons. I don't. Yeah, which is really sad. And I think we finally sent out the last of the bookmarks for the people who needed them. Um, I think there's I think there's one last person who I'm gonna send out bookmarks for just because like I I was a little late on something. But yeah, we're gonna send out a couple more bookmarks, and yeah, we got to send out a whole bunch of bookmarks to our patrons recently so if you haven't got yours and I said I mailed it please do message me because like I want to know and I can send another one if you need me to because like yeah it's not a problem that's at all. not a huge problem at all so just like tell me if you haven't received yours yet and if you're not a patron you should really become one so you can get like fun cool little rewards that I do randomly like that they're really cool ones the bookmarks in general uh 
are really adorable. Dean designed them, so obviously they're gorgeous. Because it's Dean. It's Dean. And we love Dean. We love Dean. That's, yeah. That's the, that's the running theme of this podcast. The biggest theme that connects this podcast is not, in fact, queer history. Because I talk so much about things other than queer history at this point. The biggest theme is loving Dean. The biggest theme is loving Dean. In the Wrecking the Queers, we do have some wrecks to get to. I'm so excited to be wrecked. I'm excited to be wrecked, too. And I hope y'all are excited to hear what other members of the audience have to say. And if you're a member of the audience, we might be saying what you have to say. And if you haven't sent us anything, feel free to. You can yeah. email it to us on queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. Um, also, sometimes I just like read them out if they're from social media, too. Mm-hmm. So you can comment on any of our social media. And we might mention it. You can also comment on the podcast in places. Mm-hmm. Because our podcast is now on Spotify as well as iTunes and Podbean and Google Play. So we're, we're getting our podcast everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually have our podcast on Spotify because someone wrecked the queers and was like, hey, you should, you should do that. And I was like, wait, I can do that? Turns out I you will. can. It turns out I can. Like... Yeah, I'm pretty delighted. Our podcast is on Spotify now. You could be listening to it on Spotify, but you're playing. I actually might be listening to it on Spotify. Anyways, um, yeah, so I think it's about, do we have any more news? Not as far as I'm aware. Yeah. But I also don't never know what's going on, so. That's true, that's true. Um, yeah, no, I don't think we're showing up at any public things coming up, but I honestly, like, definitely do book me if you want me to speak somewhere, but I am gonna be, like, a little hibernating, um, for the next probably two months, so if you, y'all don't see me on Twitter that much, or, like, Instagram or whatever, I'm probably on Patreon mostly, and I'm probably working on some behind-the-scenes stuff that, again, y'all can't know about yet. Because they're secrets. They're secrets. And, yeah, I'm just really excited for, like, the patrons to know about a month in advance, and then, like, it to just all drop and y'all to be like, what? It'll <laughs> like, be good. Okay. Like, okay. So, yeah, I'm excited. And I'm excited to see what y'all think of these changes. Like, they're nothing like, we're not, like, starting a TV series or anything. Though, if you're a TV exec, please contact us. Our email is queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. But we're not starting anything huge like that. But there are some pretty big changes coming up. So, yeah, get hyped. It'll be good. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into the meat of this podcast. Alan L. Hart. Yeah, meaty boy. Sorry, I, I apologize for that. I, I regretted it as soon as it came out of my mouth. I might edit it out. Who knows? Editing editing me is very different from, like, me me. Like, yes. <laughs> me in the moment is like, oh yeah, I'm gonna totally edit that out later. I'm like, that was funny. No, I'm hilarious. I'm gonna leave that in. So, yeah, there's your meta commentary. Am I gonna leave it in? Who knows? I guess you'll only know when you listen to it. Exactly. <laughs> if I've left this in, hi. And also, hi, editing Laura. How you doing? Don't forget to eat. <laughs> eh, good. Thank you. Chill. Relax. Me just like, this podcast is really just going to become me being like, okay, so editing Laura, this is what you have to do. <laughs> Chill out. Note to myself. Relax. Note to self. Um, please rest. Please, please rest. And then my future self will be like, fuck you. 
that's what editing you will be like. Editing you is like, no. I exactly. will not do none of these things, and I'm just gonna work for seven hours straight. That sounds like me, yeah. That sounds that sounds accurate to mm-hmm. who I am as a person. Alright, let's actually jump into the meat of the Mozig podcast. So, a lot of the people we talk about... So, y'all know how when... How a lot of the people we talk about have identities that can be sort of obscure or conflicting. Or sometimes people will say things like, this man was gay, and then when he was actually bisexual. Yeah. Like, I don't know, one of the more recent articles. (laughs) It was so bad. Okay, okay, okay. I'm so sorry. We're gonna get into it. But, also, I was writing this, I was doing research for this article, and I was so mad. I was so mad. They're like, his sexuality, like, he was never clear about his sexuality, but he, like, he clearly wasn't straight, like, in this quote. And in the quote, he's like, I see myself as bisexual. And I'm like, Never no! clear. Never clear about it. He was it. never clear. He was so vague about his sexuality. He was so, like, mysterious. He didn't like labels. And he's like, I'm bisexual. That's my la- My label's bisexual. I was like, I think once I finally die of, like, an aneurysm or a heart attack, you can blame that article directly. You can trace right back to it and yeah, be like, this is the, the moment that they died. Another one of the biggest things where bisexuality is definitely one of them. A lot of people ignore that someone's bi when they're they're just like, ah, gay or ah, straight when they're actually bi. Another thing is when someone might be trans, specifically a trans man, and people are like, ah, a lesbian. A lesbian who just wanted to dress as a man and, and live as a man see, for unknown reasons. See, an interesting part, because, like, it is sort of interesting, because there is some conflict there. Because, like, historically, there have been people who identify as women who dress up as men so they can get certain career opportunities, be in certain relationships, do things because women were not allowed to do things. So they played themselves off as men. Like, there are a whole bunch of authors who wrote under male pseudonyms, because they knew their work wouldn't be taken seriously if they came under female names. And that doesn't make them trans. That's just an understanding of how the world worked at the time and an adaptation to it. But at the same time, a lot of people use that very real thing as a way to, if not stifle, then ignore or possibly distract themselves from the possibility that this person may have been trans. And that is going to be someone we're looking at today. Because I personally think Alan Hart was trans. I think that he far outlasted the point of, like, maybe they're doing this for their career or because they want to be in a relationship with this person. I think that, yeah, the act, like, the time that he was into it and the fact that, like, his own wife was... Anyways, we're going to get into more on the details. Mm-hmm. But there's actually a lot of people we've we've discussed throughout our project who have been on that sort of line. I think Billy Tipton is another. Edward DeLacy. Edward DeLacy, almost everyone who talked about him discussed him as a lesbian, when in fact, to be a lesbian, you have to identify as a woman. When he very much did not. And like, he spent... Like, it's so obvious that he was, he never identified as a woman. Like, maybe at some point in his life he may have. But, like, at the very least, in the later half of his life, he did not. And, like, people are like, ah, that lesbian. And I'm like, no. No. 
Not even a little. Not even a little. You should you should consider what he's like screaming. Mm-hmm. Like at one point, he like literally like tried to rip a man's clothes off of his body because he wasn't being allowed to wear men's clothes. Like I'm like, that's not a gay mood, y'all. No. Like I know we have gay mood things. That's not a gay mood. That's a trans mood. That's that's Very a different, different vibes. But another one of these people is Alan Al Hart. Yes, Alan Al Hart, who was, from a young age, expressed a little bit of discomfort around the idea of their assigned gender at birth, and in general leaned more towards masculinity, discussing himself as the man of the house. Mm-hmm. And though it made like certain members of his family a little uncomfortable, most of them were just like, okay, cool. Yeah, cool. Like, whatever. Uh, he was born in the 1890s and then mm-hmm. lived until decent way through the 1900s. Mm-hmm. So, like, he, I think, I, I'm gonna say he was born at a time where it was, like, slightly better to be a trans person. Yeah. Than, than it had been. Yeah, it was, it was slowly improving. And also, like, in general, it's not as bad as a lot of you probably think it was in historical times. Mm-hmm. It's actually sort of weird how people talk about, like, historical realism, where they're like, oh, like, this queer person for historical realism has to have been, like, horribly treated when in reality so many queer people throughout history have been in general completely accepted Mm -hmm. like while a lot of people would be like religiously not a fan most of them would just like get over it because they didn't see it as they see it now it was less of like it was just less sensational Mm -hmm. people were like oh yeah that's especially in like small communities we talked about uh in small communities we talked about uh sir ewan forbes i keep bringing up other trans men but like Sir Ewan Forbes was a trans man who lived his entire life completely pretty much respected as a trans man in, like, early 1900s. Like, that's, like, it's not something you think of. And it's not something that um, a lot of mainstream understanding of history wants you to acknowledge. Because, like, if you acknowledge that, then you acknowledge that there has to be, like, representation of queer people in historical discussions which makes a lot of people uncomfortable especially people who aren't historians Mm -hmm. like i'm just going off on rants today i've had like almost an entire energy drink so like if you're wondering it's an aesthetic (laughs) it's an aesthetic um but especially people who aren't historians because while 100 percent there are those historians who are saying like sappho wasn't gay she had a really cool husband didn't you know (laughs) um while there definitely are those people I don't think there's much of a majority as people think there are, but do you know what is a big group of people? Non-historians. Non-historians who think they understand history because they read three books about World War II. Mm. And you know what? 100%. In World War II, it was not the greatest time to be queer. But if your only understanding of history is its wars, you need to understand that that's... I'm not going to say the worst of humanity because the best of humanity does come out, but in times of conflict like that, you're not seeing the reality of human existence. That's real. Especially the spectrum of human existence. Because even in World War II, there are people who were, you know, living in other countries who weren't involved in World War II. I know it's called World War II, but, and I know I'm going to shock a couple of you, some people weren't involved in the war. They were just doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. They were like, yep, that's going on. I'm in my country doing my own thing. But there's this specific genre of person and I'm not going to say men, because there definitely are some people who aren't men who do this as well. But let's acknowledge in our hearts that a lot of them are, mm. who are like, oh, I understand history and people of color and queer people and women 
were treated poorly in all of history. And they just have no actual experience in history outside of history and conflict. They don't view history as this huge massive thing. They view history as these big great men were fighting and these big dramatic things happening. They don't view history as like a collection of tiny stories that come into this huge ocean. It's like Hitler was doing this thing and Churchill was doing this thing. You know those people who like watch Game of Thrones, who watch seven episodes of Game of Thrones and they're like, oh no, it's totally fine that they treat women like crap on the show um, because that's historically accurate. Let's just ignore that it's a fantasy world because it is based on the War of Roses, right? The War of Roses. Yeah. I believe so, yeah. That's not all of history. And that's only a very specific part of history. And I'm not saying anything about how Game of Thrones should be. But I am saying that like a lot of people react to things that are set in a historical time, especially media. Yeah, just in general, especially media and TV shows. You see a lot of people negatively react to them by being like, but queer people were never expected. You can't have a thing about a queer person unless it's tragic. Because they actually have no understanding about how diverse humanity is. That's They're so like, real. Because there's some part of their brain that's still absolutely fixated on humanity is its most dramatic aspects. Instead of acknowledging that humanity sometimes just, you know, getting a sandwich. That's true. Sometimes people don't care. Yeah. And sometimes people care more about the person who's queer than they care about queerness. Yes. It took me a second to wrap my head around that sentence, but yes. I just like, I don't know, I just mean that like sometimes... Even if someone doesn't accept queerness as a concept, they love the person who's queer. That's true. And, like, I'm not saying, like, it's the best viewpoint to have, but they love the person who's queer, so they don't really care about the queerness. They're just like, okay, I love the person who's queer, and that's all that matters. So I'm going to respect them, no matter what. Mm -hmm. I think that may have been what happened to Alan Hart. I'm not sure. In certain different, like, again, his experiences, I've talked so long, his experiences are so diverse that you definitely see a range of human reactions. There are mm -hmm. things like his mother just like being like, okay, this is sort of weird, but whatever, I don't care. There's like his grandparents who are like constantly being like, oh yeah, this is cool, and, and fostering him sort of up like a, like a boy and naming him his, their grandchild, uh, grandson, and like really supporting him and being who he is. Exactly. And other people who, when he went to university, um, he started a relationship with a woman and it was like a very public relationship. People talked about it and no one really cared. Like, I'm sure there were some negative reactions, but the majority of people and the majority, like the majority sort of opinion that like you can see from documents was that everyone was like, okay, cool. Like those are two people in a relationship and we're going to treat them like two people in a relationship, mm -hmm. even though at the time, they were both viewed as women and it was viewed as a lesbian relationship. And then there's another reaction of like when he started dressing and like when everyone was just sort of like, yeah, cool, do what you do. He started dressing more masculine and started like wearing trousers and just like in general dressing up in traditionally masculine clothing. And his partner ended up distancing herself from him because it was uncomfortable with him wearing masculine clothing mm -hmm. and like you're just gonna have this huge wide range of reactions and we can't really narrow it down to like everyone hated him there, everyone was kind to him there's no overarching oh at the time exactly ever, yeah there's there's nothing we can say to make one statement like that because exactly. 
there are so many different experiences. Exactly. And there's no one ideology of humanity. Mm-hmm. Like, literally look at humanity right now. Look at, like, microcosm America. Yeah. Do you think everyone, like, we're gonna look back on America and be like, this is the attitude of America at the time. But it isn't. It's not. There's this huge, wide range of people on the spectrum of, like, yeah, ideologies. And that's 100% what Alan Hart experienced. Definitely because of that experience, you see that he had his own complicated relationship with himself. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't fully positive and it wasn't fully negative either. It was just complex and big and nuanced and diverse. And he ended up going to a doctor, actually, to... Because he wanted... He had a phobia of the sound of gunshots and he was like hey let's figure this out and i think it was dr gilbert was his name yes so he went to this doctor dr gilbert he's like i have a phobia of gunshots and the doctor was like oh you're queer let's fix that yeah and And then the doctor went like really hardcore and in the end Hart was like oh i guess i want to fix that yeah i guess i want to fix the fact that I am viewed as a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. Yeah, and like he for a time tried to convert and like, you know, conversion therapy. And that's what Gilbert initially tried for him. But Gilbert, like many other people, had his mind changed throughout time. And this is another thing. Mm-hmm. I would view Gilbert as like, in my heart, I have this immediate reaction of like someone trying to convert a person. That's horrible. That's a horrible thing to do. Oh, yeah. Gilbert like started, he's like the bad guy of the story. But at the same time, Gilbert slowly realized that he was wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, by the end of the story, we're going to come to the point of Gilbert being like, oh, shoot, it's not my job to define this human. Mm-hmm. Which, Which is a huge step, especially for someone in psychoanalysis at the time. I know we just said, like, at the time, there's not just, like, one huge ideology. But in the study of psychoanalysis, a lot of it was still based on Freud, right? And Freud's ideology was so steeped in the idea that you had to convince patients of the diagnosis. You had to tell them what their diagnosis was and ignore any response they had Mm -hmm. that was like, I'm not sure that fits. Mm -hmm. Which has changed hugely since then. But like, this man was still... Exactly, right? Actually listening to your patients. Wild! What a concept! But, like, yeah, this man was was taught this ideology, and the fact that he moved on from that is actually pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And, like, probably was very difficult because it's such a professional ideology. It's such a supported idea in his profession. And as he went through therapy with Alan... Alan slowly was like, I don't think, I think we're, I think I want to have gender confirmation surgery and to be seen and present as a man. And initially Gilbert was like, what? No. And Alan uh, gave a lot of arguments for this, including eugenics, the one of, which isn't a super positive one, but just like the one of being like, well, I'm not going to pass my sexuality on if I can't get pregnant, which isn't the best argument. But and again, also isn't how people. it works, but you know. Yeah, but like. Eugenics is bad no matter what. Gilbert went on to be like, okay, yeah. There were also other reasons Alan gave. Um, we, I think I have a list there. Yes. Should... So among his reasons was that he knew his sexuality was not going away and he wanted to present as a man. He didn't... It's, it's interesting because like there's this part where it's like, well, conversion therapy, so he wanted to convert. But there's this also part of maybe he was so uncomfortable with the label of lesbian because he wasn't a lesbian. Mm, interesting. 
But like you mentioned that. Imagine that. Maybe he was so uncomfortable with the idea of being seen as a lesbian because he wasn't a lesbian. That being said, that's not necessarily the case. It could have 100% been internalized homophobia. Mm-hmm. I think considering the second half of his life, it's unlikely. Because again, we're going to learn a little bit more about him as we talk. But from the knowledge we have at this point, 100% it's possible he could have been a lesbian who was convinced that heterosexuality was the only right sexuality and couldn't get rid of his attraction to women. So he was like, okay, I'm a dude. I don't think that's the case with this particular person, but I can see how people thought that. Mm -hmm. And it's like such a complex, because he's a complex person, it becomes such a complex question. 100%. And so you don't get a clear answer. Mm -hmm. And um, Alan Hart actually, after talking to his doctor, became, I think, one of the first people, maybe in America, maybe in the world, I don't remember, I think in America, to get surgery on his, his like, genitals and stuff based on non-medical reasons, basically. Mm-hmm. So he got to have gender confirmation surgery, and he became a doctor. He also got married. Mm-hmm. And Gilbert twice, was, actually. He got married twice. When he got married, there was the, this quote from Gilbert. Uh, Gilbert had journals filled with discussions of Alan and actually, it's uh, those those are found after Alan's death, and it was under um, not a pseudonym but like an initial. So it was a while before people figured out that this was about Alan. Anyways, so he wrote the final step of marriage was taken to complete the picture of normal life so far as is possible under the conditions detailed above. This feature of the affair was the most doubtful of the whole program, and it received my protest, though I must confess that my protest was indefensible except on the grounds of a prejudice and a habit of thinking begotten of long years of conformity to social dogmata, most of which are indefensible. At any rate, it was done possibly for the best. There are certainly numerous and rational arguments in defense of the procedure. So yeah. So Gilbert's like, oh. I was wrong. Okay. He, he had this immediate reaction of, oh, you shouldn't be getting married, to why am I thinking that? Clearly the reason I'm thinking that is because of some social prejudice, which is correct. 100% ding, and like, ding, ding, Dr. Gilbert. He knew you're it. Right. He knew it. Which is interesting, because like you sort of put specifically on on people who have like done shitty things or like been queer phobic in the past you sort of put this like lack of self insight mm-hmm. and so it's really interesting to to read this and to sort of see that growth yeah and like to be fair our initial reaction of okay let's put this person in a box is 100% a safety response like it's trying to make ourselves safe because in our heads we're like And maybe this is a little, like, this isn't universal, but at least for me, the reason I do that is because I'm like, okay, I need to remove myself from wanting this person to change. Mm -hmm. Because if I sit here wanting this person to change, that might not happen, and it likely won't. Especially not in a time frame that is healthy for me to stay in and wait for them to change. Mm -hmm. So like 100% that's not advocating for you to like give every single person you encounter your time, but it is advocating for the fact that people do change over time. And that's something that not only should be embraced, but when we're looking back, shouldn't be ignored that a change happened. Like it shouldn't remove all the things that he did initially to hurt Alan, but 
it does matter. It shouldn't be ignored because he did things to hurt Al. Those are both two things that can exist at once. And I think a lot of people want it to be an easy, because we view a lot of us, especially more casual people like who look at history, view history as characters instead of people. Mm, that's real. And he's not a character. He's a person who grew and changed over time. And anyways, let's move back to Alan, because Alan got married. Yeah. And then got divorced. Yeah. And then got married. And the second person he married was named Edna. Who was the first person? Eva, maybe? I think. Or was Eva his college uh, girlfriend? I think Eva might have been his college girlfriend. Enos Stark was the first wife. Enos Stark. She, he has a lot of ease in his life. Eva, Edna, Enos. It's that was an I, actually. Oh, never mind. I mm -hmm. was wrong. I was wrong, y'all. Same vibe. Yes. But anyways, so he married twice, and he also was a doctor, and specifically he worked in tuberculosis, which was a very looked-down-upon disease at the time. It had a lot of social stigma, mm -hmm. and it was... Yeah, no one really wanted to work with it. Mm -hmm. And he worked really hard on it. He actually developed a method of uh, detecting it earlier than anyone else had, like expected and saved thousands of lives along with like the other people he worked with and he like had this clinic that traveled through america it was really amazing he also at the same time was writing novels specifically medical novels with often queer characters in them and sort of looking at how they dealt with their queerness in this sort of medical setting right from experience right exactly and he he apparently this like really helped his mental state he specifically said that like writing is what kept him like healthy at certain yeah. points and that's very real as someone who's also a writer 100 percent. and i think any artist can sort of identify with that whether you're an artist by profession or not mm -hmm. no matter what your job is i do believe that most humans if not all do have a desire to create something whether that's art or anything and whether that's professional or anything or and just fun yeah, and putting your own experience into words, I think, exactly. also especially helped Alan a lot. Exactly. An unfortunate part of his profession, though, was not only the traveling, which and in the end caused the end of his relationship with Enos, um, but also a reason he had to travel so much was because he was outed many times. Yeah, he had, uh, he sometimes worked at hospitals, and he would run into someone he had studied with, and they would recognize him, and tell everyone which is super don't do that ever mm -hmm. not not a great thing and then he would have to move on with to another place because mm -hmm. he didn't he he wanted to be recognized as who he was not who he had been or who he had been perceived to be in the past right mm -hmm. and i think that's also another indication that it's very possible that like he was a trans man because it wasn't just like it's very possible again that it was just social stigma that he was like uncomfortable with the idea of people like i don't know knowing that much I don't know. knowing that much about him and he's worried that he'd get backlash but he honestly didn't receive that much backlash in his life for specific like his attraction to women he ex received some 100 especially in the conversion therapy and with dr gilbert but that in social situations he didn't receive as much as one would think mm -hmm. and has we've often seen so like it's very possible that like this was just like another signal that he didn't want to be seen as anything other than a man so he left once people started seeing him that way another thing that will bring that really 
brought me to the point of being certain. Because, like, you don't have to be certain. You can definitely have skepticism here, and you can think that he identified a different way. I'm not going to say you're wrong, because there's really no way to know. You never know with a historical person, though. There's always, like... There's only one way you know. Mm -hmm. And that's that's self-identification. Yes. There's only ever one way to know what a person identifies as and that's when they self-identify and Mm -hmm. we can see that they self-identified that way and alan hart seemed to identify as that but he never like outright said it but the closest that we get is his wife edna his wife edna who was absolutely adamant specifically after alan's death that alan was a guy yeah been with alan for so long and probably the closest person alan Um, And one of the only people Alan kept in his life consistently in that period. So it's hard to think that she didn't have probably the best understanding of him. Mm -hmm. There was this historian named Jonathan Ned Katz. Mm -hmm. And after, after Hart's death, and Katz went into studying Hart's life and specifically went into discussion of of Hart's sexuality and gender identity. And he originally believed that Hart identified as a lesbian. He, he wrote a lot of stuff, stuff where he was talking about how Hart wanted to be seen as a man and then, like, moved on to calling him a lesbian. Yeah. And actually, Edna, who was alive at the time, refused, just didn't refuse to have anything to do with Katz. Mm-hmm. Just, like, not talk to him, not do anything with him, not have anything to do with him, because he kept calling her late husband a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And in the end, after, after many, many years, uh, he backed down saying... In my earlier research on Hart, I made the mistake of trying to claim Hart as a lesbian. Now I think it's more important to try to understand how Hart identified her or himself at different times in her, his life cycle. Mm-hmm. Which is good, because he's like, oh, I made a mistake, but he's still like... A little like, but did I? Yeah, which is shitty, but what I really, really enjoy is that is that Edna was like, no, you're wrong, and I'm not going to talk to you. 100%. I'm just going to ignore you. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to deal with you. Mm-hmm. Stop what you're doing. You're being really stupid. 100%. And I think that's pretty awesome in general. Mm-hmm. And Edna, in, again, like, I don't want to, like, clarify this because there are people who don't have that close relationship with their spouse. And that sounds sort of, like, especially to our modern sensibilities, like, very, like, what? Mm-hmm. But, and especially to our queer sensibilities, very, what? No, everyone loves their spouse. But, like, in history, there are people who haven't been that close with their spouse, and 100% there's a huge variety of relationships with their spouse, and sometimes people don't disclose their gender identity to their spouse. But at the same time, I think in this case, and with absolutely Edna's adamance that Alan was a man, it makes it definitely seem to me that that was the case. Oh, 100%. I because, agree. Because, you know, it wasn't like there was anything for Alan to lose. Alan was dead at that point when she was discussing, or not discussing, ignoring uh, cats. So, like, there was no incentive for her to lie. And there was certainly, like, well, I guess, like, maybe her being called a lesbian made her uncomfortable. And there's that incentive. But at the same time, maybe this might be, like, I'm not going to say this with, like, 100% authority because I'm not a lesbian. So I can't be like, I know exactly how lesbians should and will identify. But in my head, in an understanding of my sexuality and my gender identity, there's this part where being in a relationship with someone else, a part of what makes it queer is that the other person knows it's queer. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like, and again, I'm not a lesbian, so I can't really define how lesbians should exist. But at the same time, there's something 
at the very, very least, a little off if someone does not disclose, like, if both the people in a lesbian relationship don't know that they're lesbians. I feel like both of you should know that you're lesbians if you're in a lesbian relationship. Yes. Um, and otherwise, there's probably something going on with gender there. Mm-hmm. I think gender will at least play an element. Definitely. Like, looking at that alongside all the other proof, there definitely was something going on with gender. There was definitely something going on with gender there. So, yeah, when did Alan Hart die? What what was the thing? 1962. Okay, so Alan L. Hart died in 1962, and yeah, his late wife, or- Widow? His widow, yeah. Widow Edna um, sort of preserved his legacy, not talking to historians if they weren't acknowledging his gender identity, and yeah. She also opened, like, um, a leukemia, like, fund. Exactly. For for research and, and, and for assisting uh, research into leukemia because Alan's mother had died from it. So mm-hmm. she opened it in, in her name. So, yeah, that was Alan's life. Yeah. And it's definitely an interesting one because so many different people viewed it so differently. And again, there's no way of knowing unless a person self-identifies, but it's also interesting to look at how everyone saw Alan a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And it's always interesting to dive into someone's identity, specifically like shaped by their by their lifetime and mm-hmm. specifically shaped by their like period time period exactly because like yeah no there's a lot of it that was shaped by alan's time period and if having access to the terms we have today because 100 percent the word specifically transsexual at the time existed but it was not popular mm-hmm. and it wasn't something that alan may have immediately seen and identified with because in its most popular form it was generally talked about trans women like trans men still today are having trouble being recognized within the queer community. And I'm not saying that, like, people are like, they're not queer. I'm saying that people are literally ignoring their existence. Mm -hmm. And I think the clearest point where you see that is TERFs. Because TERFs are literally like, they're just people who don't understand their identity. It's not even like, it's so much dismissal. Yeah. Some of it's like... I do believe that in it inherently is hateful, but like some TERFs don't even see it as a hateful thing. They're just completely dismissing this person. Mm-hmm. And I think that still exists within the queer community, whether it's the full hate end of the spectrum of TERFs or just other people just like not acknowledging the trans men exist. And I also want to acknowledge that our project is low-key kind of guilty of that. Like, I wouldn't say we're on the turf spectrum, but I would say that especially earlier in the project, there was a much heavier of a focus on trans women. I think that that's something, personally, I have made a point to look for trans men in history. And it's actually very hard to find them because... So often they're... If you're born with a vagina, you're often written out of history. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what you identify as... If you're born with a vagina, people like writing you out of history. And, and if you're gender variant, people like writing you out of history. And so often they can be, like, so easily rewritten as lesbians. Exactly. Or just, yeah. All these different things. So I, I definitely think it's, like, something that our project will continue to work on. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think that, like, especially at a certain point earlier in the project, actually more in the middle of the project, we didn't have as many trans men as I think we should have. And that's, again, something that I'm continuing to work on. And something that I'm continuing to reach out and look for. But it's also an interesting thing to no matter like where you are in your like a queer experience, whether that's as someone who's not a part of the queer community, but is like sort of viewing it, or someone who is in the queer community, trans men often get sidelined. So let's 
maybe stop doing that. <laughs> and it's <laughs> great like, idea. Great idea. And let's also like be very self analytical of like, am I just like completely ignoring trans men in the, what I'm doing with the queer community? Because like 100%, if you make a thing for lesbians, I'm I'm like, don't, <laughs> don't be like, eh. <laughs> Don't invite all the trans men on your Facebook list. Don't do that. And like 100% you can make things for specific parts of the queer community. But if you're making something for the queer community, have you thought, have you made sure that you're including all aspects of the queer community? Mm -hmm. Are you including asexual people? Are you including lesbians? Are you including trans men? Are you including trans women? Are you including uh, gay people? Are you including bisexual people? Are you including two-spirit people? Do you have the full diversity of queerness? And it's impossible to have the full one, but are you trying? Mm. Are you really trying? So I'm going to leave y'all with that thought. All of you people who are working in the queer community, are you working in the queer community or are you working in a sector? Mm. Are you working in one space? Because it's fine to work in one space. You just gotta it's know. It's fine. You just have to be aware of it. Mm -hmm. And you have to not advertise yourself as something else. Because mm -hmm. I see a lot of places be like, we're for all the queer community. We're going to put all the queer things on. And this is, we're going to talk about lesbians a little bit again, because they also get sidelined pretty hard by this. They're like, oh yeah, we're just like creating merch for the queer community. And then there's nothing with any lesbian representation on it. Mm -hmm. Or they're like, we're just creating things for like queer people. And then there's no trans man in it. We're just or like there's talking just about all rainbow flags. It's all rainbow flags. And it's like, okay, well, okay. But like, are you? Are you though? Or like, yeah, in general, you're creating for quote unquote the queer community and you're only including certain sectors. Are you including ace people? Are you including aromantic people? Are you? So just like think about that a little. Make sure that you are. And like I was. I was including some trans men, but not as many as I should have been. Mm -hmm. And I think, again... That I've grown from that point, and I hope that I can continue to grow from that point. But yeah, I I needed to be aware of it, and I wasn't at the time. It's something that I've grown awareness of. So that's yeah. that's that's well done. <laughs> Go me. <laughs> but it, it's less me being like, I'm awesome, but more being like, we all suck sometimes. Mm -hmm. I have failed many times in this. That's why we have the wrecking the queers portion. I've failed many times in working and making career history. The biggest thing you can do is grow and learn. Like Dr. Gilbert did. It works. It exactly. works. We're on a theme. <laughs> I'm definitely not just rambling. So. Because again, I've had a full energy drink. Moving into the third part. Yeah, Wrecking the Queers. Wrecking the Queers. So, Wrecking the Queers. We have two portions of Wrecking the Queers. First, where y'all wreck us. I'm ready to be thoroughly wrecked. Okay. We have two wrecks. Specifically, where one person says something nice to us. Wow. On Tumblr. That is wonderful. Yeah. I like getting nice things. Exactly. This was, I've already mentioned it actually, <laughs> vaguely in passing, but someone was really nice and was like, what do you do when you finished uh, the Making First Street podcast? You listen to it all over again. And I was like, oh, that's really good. I'm glad y'all are enjoying. Sometimes I feel like we're just speaking to nothing. <sighs> Sitting and alone in our apartment. Speaking to nothing, but also just, like, rambling on about things no one cares about. Exactly. And I sort of, like, I'm, I'm still in that part of, like, people, like, as, as, like, a woman, but, like, I'm just, like, immediately, like, I need to shut up. I need mm -hmm. to shut up. I need to stop talking. So having a podcast is really weird. Because, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to ask how they're doing. Yeah. What? How are y'all doing? <laughs> are you drinking doing... water? Are you, though? Drink more water. Just, are you, like... Are you getting sleep? Okay. Let's, let's actually... Let's... 
let's do a call out for it because like I kept talking about lesbians I love you lesbians I will continue talking about you but let's talk to trans men for a second have you drank water today have you stretched have you stretched how long have you assuming you're wearing a binder how, how long? long? Should have you take you, it off? Should you maybe take it off? Are you in a space where you can maybe take off your binder? Because, like, even if you haven't been wearing it for too long, it still definitely does damage. And I'm not saying you have to take it off. But, like, are you in a space where you can? Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Do some stretches. Do some coughing. Drink yeah. some water. Just have a great day. Take a nap. Take a nap. Oh, my gosh. Y'all take a nap. Y'all are working so hard. Take and a nap. we know. Mm-hmm. We know that you're working hard and you should take a nap. You should take a nap. And also, have you cried recently? Mm. Because society tells men they're not supposed to be crying. And that includes you. You're supposed to like, society expects you to be like ultra man. So like. (laughs) The most man. Take a a cry. Take a cry. Watch a good movie. Like watch something, listen to some music that makes you cry and just cry. Just feel that. Just go through it. It's okay. Give yourself a good hug. That doesn't make you less of a man. Give yourself a great hug. Go to someone else and ask them for a hug. Yeah. Ask for some physical affection. Especially, actually, from someone you don't have a sexual relationship with or a romantic relationship with, assuming you pursue sexual or romantic relationships. Go for a platonic affection. Oh, Go get some, some platonic sweet, affection. sweet platonic affection. Get some pl- sweet, sweet platonic affection. I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make it. Thank you. Get some sweet, sweet platonic affection. Okay. Are you not a trans man? But maybe trans mask leaning? Also do all of these things. Yeah. I, it's okay you don't identify as a man, but if you're wearing a binder, you still need to take that off every once in a while. Mm-hmm. For your own health. But at the same time, if your mental health does not allow it, listen to that too. Both are important. Physical yeah. health and mental health. You gotta take care of yourself. Think about it. Where's the balance? What is best for you right now? All right? That's our check-in. Yes. Y'all take a, take a chill. Relax. <laughs> Get yourself something that's not an energy drink. Yes. All right. Yeah, that's our check-in. So we're going to move into our next <laughs> rec. And this one was from Twitter. Oh, fun. Where someone, I, I don't really know if I should ever mention people's handles or like things. So I'm, I'm going to err on the side of caution and not do it. Especially like with criticisms because I don't want anyone to send hate to these people. That's always a good idea. Yeah. But someone on Twitter very, very politely was like, hey, can you add what the triggers are when you say, because like at the bottom of each of our articles, we have some of the sources may con- contain triggering, triggering material. material. And they're like, hey, can you add that? And we have to say no. Because we and can't, specifying triggers, while very important, takes a lot of job work. And like, I'm going to explain it a little bit more here because Twitter limits my words and I'm so long-winded. If y'all haven't noticed... Um, but I'm so long-winded, so I'm going to explain it a little bit more here and hope that they're listening. But, one, 100% we would love to do that. That's a really great point, and that would be something we'd love to work on in the future. We're two people, and we're not paid that well, and specifying each trigger individually is a lot of work that we just really don't have time for as two people. We don't have the capacity, and especially considering that, you know, within, within our, like, little staff... Um, we also have other things to do, like a lot of other things, and we do a really, really big job for just two people. So it's a lot that, it's a lot of work that we might not be capable of right now, but we would love to consider it again when maybe we have a bigger capacity or we've hired another person. Um, another thing is that it's really, it's difficult because you don't know what everyone's triggers are. And that's actually why I started doing the thing, because I was like, there's going to be something in all of these, like... 
that triggers someone because like some of them are super homophobic. Some of the sources that I use, they have good information. Like they have quotes and like things like that that I want, but they're super homophobic. Or they're things that are really subtly homophobic. Or it's really, there's so many things that could trigger something that I really have a hard time narrowing it down. And like in any single one of them, there could be up to like 30. Like it's a lot. So all I can do right now is give y'all a blanket warning that these things are not things we umbrella agree with. Just because we used it as a source does not mean we agree with everything in it. So 100% we'd like to be able to do that someday and we'll work on that. But at this point, we just don't have the capacity. So yeah, if y'all have any other criticisms of us, we would love to take it like under advisement and just know that like, even if we can't do it, even if what you're thinking is like really high maintenance, we at the very least can add it to a list of things that we can do when maybe we have more people, more capacity, or maybe just like some extra time. Like one day we might just have extra time on our hands and we'll be like, let's see if we can knock that up. Let's see if we can do that. So just bring it up. It's okay. Send it to us on, on Twitter or Instagram, on Tumblr. Or... And just know I'll say no, because I did. I said no to this person and they were very, very sweet about it, very kind. They were super respectful in their request, but I will say no if I can't do it. So don't like in your head, tell yourself to shut up because you don't want to put too much work on me. Because I'll say you no know, if I can't do it. I will. I promise. So trust me to set my boundaries and I'll trust you to like bring issues up with me. So those are our two recs. And now I have a recommendation. I'm so excited. I have no idea what this is going to be. Okay. So in our queer recs, we, we specify that we don't talk to the people beforehand and we don't. We don't talk to the people beforehand. And these recommendations are just literally like things that we see that we like, right? And I was recently at a queer makers market. So I was surrounded by queer makers. And there's one that I want to shout out. And I do know them. The Little Embroider Bee. They, as you can probably assume, and they're um, at the Little Embroider Bee. Embroider Bee? Embroider Bee. Yeah, the Little Embroider Bee. Should I spell that out? I'll link it. I'll link it in the podcast notes. But it's the Lil. So L-I-L. Not little. So yeah, they're an embroiderer, as you can probably tell, and they work in textile arts. And y'all know queers just, just gosh darn love that embroidery. Yeah, and make that good, sweet embroidery mm -hmm. art. Exactly. So there's like a whole bunch of queer embroidery that they do that you should definitely check out. They also take commissions. So if you have something in your head where you're like, I want that embroidery, you should check them out and maybe ask should. them. Uh, I mean, we've already commissioned them once. Mm -hmm. And it's one of my most favorite things in my apartment that I have. So, okay. So I'm just like going to give some examples. Um, so there's one with a cute little clownfish at the bottom and it says gender fluid as fuck. And that's, that's adorable. There's another that says femmes can be thems. Oh, there's another from, um, and this is some, what might, some of you may recognize because this is all over our social media and also our website. So this one is, someone in some future time will think of us. And that's the Sappho quote. Good Sappho quote. There's a welcome homo with a little cute house underneath it. There's nature queer. There's rest resist. There's tender hearted. There's reject toxic masculinity. There's queer strength. There's take a nap. There's mm. a little take a nap one. That's adorable. Me and there's everyone. A little, right? Fuck the system with like cis. Yeah, y'all get it. That's good. There's like a really pretty one that's like here and queer and it's like all these different beautiful flowers. There's another one where it's like rip gender norms and there's a little cute ghost behind it. It's really cute. cute. So, you know, there's one that just says have gay sex. Amazing. Incredible. A mood. 
It's 100% a mood. So, you know, that's my recommendation. Check them out. They're on Instagram, the little embroidery. Again, I will have them linked in the description of this podcast or the notes of this podcast. Go up, look some queer textile arts. Mm -hmm. Go support a queer creator. Exactly. And like theoretically buy their stuff, but also if you don't have the money, just like also like their stuff because that also gives them, you know, nice things. Yeah. And also you can share it. Yeah, you can share it. Because like maybe some of your friends want to buy some things or maybe specifically some of your friends will see that you like it and then commission them and and get you a specific thing. Like, I don't know, my wife did. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, like, my wife's like, oh, you like this person's work. I'm going to sneakily commission them and then get you their work. And yes, it was, was very the cute. big plan. Though it, it was not sneaky at all. It was very little sneaky. Very little sneaky. And they told me pretty much right away. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Keep that in mind. Definitely check them out. Yeah, I think that's our my queer recommendation of this month. So That's a good rec. Yeah. So if you love embroidery or if you just love queerness, which I'm assuming y'all do, <laughs> definitely check them out. Give them the time. So yeah. I, I think, think that's, that's all everything we have to us. talk about. I'm gonna have to edit this podcast a lot. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> it's right now. And I'm just telling y'all this because it's like I think it's really funny. It's an hour and 16 minutes. Fuck. So look at how much time we actually ended up taking, like, on your phone and see how much I edited it out. And just, like, yeah. It'll be a fun ride. It'll be a fun ride. Thank you so, so much for listening. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for giving us your support and time of day. Don't forget to become a patron if you can at uh, patreon.com slash queerhistory. Don't forget to drink some water and take it out. Uh-huh. Also check out our website. And you know what you should do? You should check out our happy endings tag. Mm. Because do you know what? We're surrounded by really tragic stories all the time. And y'all are stressed. We all know it. We all know it. We all know we're all stressed right now. So check out our happy endings tag and read about some queer people who just had happy-ish or at least majority happy lives. And that's that's something nice. Just yeah. give yourself that gift today and just, yeah, surround yourself with a little bit of queer happiness. Take some time to acknowledge and wrap yourself up in some queer happiness, okay? All right. It's, it's worth it. It's worth it. Um, yeah, you just have to check out our website. If you want specifically the queer happy endings tag, uh, check out our website. It's under the drop down menu under articles. So you can find that there. Also, I've added, I think, two maybe three new additions to that nice which has been very cathartic for me because dean called me out last time we had a meeting i was like you haven't written one in like two years and i'm like oh shoot that's why my mental health is that way Mm -hmm. so yeah read some happy endings read some happy endings have a great day um reach out for some platonic affection however you feel you need it right now and And all y'all take care and remember history is queer than you think we have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you think.
We hold our own future, we learn from the past. They've tried to remove our legacy, but we are built to last. So listen to the stories, cause they'll help us grow. From Sappho to Frida Kahlo, there's always more to know. History is queerer than you think. Yes, we will continue. Yes, we will improve. Making history is just what we do. Yes, we will keep growing. Yes, we'll never stop. Every step we're taking is history in the making. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, we have been and will always be absolutely revolutionary. Every single day we live, we are part of the legacy. We Just